Welcome, welcome to the Bro CR Supercast. Basically, a super cool podcast. See what we did there? <laughs> we discuss all things obstacle course racing, culture, and community that embodies it. From performing athletes, flashy new gear, and secret guacamole recipes. Yummy. We've got you covered, bro. Do you have questions? We want to find answers. Want to talk about running in the mud and your next big adventure? Cool. So do we. Now let's lace up those trail kicks and jump in the corral. The Supercast. The Supercast starts now. Is this 18 or 19? I'm not sure, but welcome Ooh. to the Supercast, everybody. I think it's 19. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Tuesday. It Good is Tuesday. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's doing great and preparing for the 4th of July weekend. Yeah, oh. it's coming up. We've got a long week here. Um, yeah, everybody's listening to this on Tuesday, and that means Thursday's um, 4th of July. Kind of late America's because birthday. we have off on Thursday. You have to work on Friday. Are you working Friday? I'm not working Friday. Oh, see, I got to work on Friday. I'm probably going to. I'm, I may still work, but uh, there's so many great things coming out this week aside from 4th of July. I'm going to a cookout and also like Spider-Man's coming out, which I mean, okay, I'm, I'm geeking out here. Spider-Man, everybody's following my uh, my status right now and my stories. I love Stranger Things. See, I just haven't ever watched it. I hear great things about it, but it's not like screaming at me to watch. It's my jam, Leah. It's my jam. It's <laughs> how, how you are a child of the '80s, Leah. This would be right here, Alex. Dude, speaking of the '80s, okay, I know we're going to be totally off topic tonight. Guess okay, what? Gonna, I'm we're going to roll right into the caster in a second. Go ahead, Leah. Guess, go ahead. Guess what I'm doing next week? Uh, okay, so we're talking '80s. I'm guessing like. Uh, roller dome and like 90s pop music night. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you're, you're halfway there. Oh, so it's close. It's more 90s than it is 80s, but I am going to the mixtape tour. It's a concert with Nuka's on the Block and oh Debbie God. Gibson and uh, Salt and Peppa. And okay, Salt and Peppa's legit. I forget who else is there, but it's going to be freaking awesome. I'm so stoked. So I just got tickets, so we're going next weekend. Well, that's super-duper exciting. But anyway, let's get back <laughs> to the Supercast here. Uh, we got a great episode here coming for you. Uh, but before we go into that, um, let's talk a little bit about CBD oil. CBD by Vangus CBD. www.vangascbd.com slash brocr. Discount code brocr. Saves you 15% off on only the best quality CBD on the market. Um, um, I don't know about you, but I am getting inundated in my email with all kinds of spam from various CBD companies. Um, you trying know, to get you on their stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's like How many products do those companies have? Do what? How many products do those companies normally have? Well, I mean, some A of them... A lot of them normally. Usually, yeah, like at least four or five different types of products, and people will often see that and be like, whoa, because I know I was totally overwhelmed when, you know, I started looking into the whole CBD thing. People see, you know, 750 milligrams, 1,000 milligrams, 500 milligrams. How many milligrams do I need? Vengas um, got three simple products. They've got yeah. the 
they've got the ultra caps. They've got a great balm that's great for sore muscles and joints. The caps now are great for sleeping sizes. and recovery. And the newest product, which I'm really excited to try out here probably tomorrow morning, which is the um, the first aid station gummies. Yeah, for those of you who have not seen it yet, this product dropped last week by Venga. Um, it is uh, the first aid gummies, meaning, um, you know, we Concept all hear is it's about... it's like an ibuprofen or something. Yeah, we all hear about, you know, the dangers of taking ibuprofen or acetaminophen during races. You know, blow up your kidneys and throw you into all kinds of problems. Um, so, Vanga is now providing an all-natural pain relief um inflammation um you know just on the go gummy to to take on the you know to take on the course with you um for when those you know pains start setting in so i'm i'm excited to start trying it myself i'm going to be hopefully rolling one of those out and trying it tomorrow morning on my workout um, well, once again guys bro cr uh, check it out Venga cbd uh on to and, the past. well one more super awesome sponsor we i was going to gonna save mentioning. them for the end Okay, well, we'll, you know, stay tuned. Okay. We'll <laughs> On to the cast. At the end. On to the cast. We are going to talk about, we had a direction we were going to go this week, but we are going to go in a separate direction and talk about dream races. Congratulations so, this week, Leah. You're a race director. Fantastic. So last week we talked to Hubie, who decided, you know, one day he was going to just make his own race. Yeah. Um, and Turned that out well got us him. thinking. If we were making our own race, the Brocr Supercast race, just the Brocr what... race, just the Brocr <laughs> race, the whole fam, the whole fam. There yeah. you go. So, where do we start? Where do you start at a race? So, there's so many different schools of thought, um, and Spartan has their whole series, and I feel like it's great with the different distances, but I personally think you need to have three races on a day. Um, okay. Your competitive race, and let's talk distance first. What do you think is the prime distance for a race? For me personally, I am a fan of about four to six miles. Okay. I think, you know, a five-mile average. I think that, you know, when you're talking about the keyword being a race, I think mm -hmm. that anything substantially more than that, once you're starting talking about, you know, 10 miles, 12 miles, ultra distance yep. miles. Yep. You know, that's not a race to me. To me, that's a totally different plan of attack. I would agree. Um, and I've, I've thought about this a lot recently after doing a few locals here and doing, and doing, being an ultra athlete myself now and doing some of these ultras this year. And I, I still don't even consider myself an ultra athlete. I think I've, I'm an athlete who's done some ultra races but I don't consider myself a strict ultra athlete right now. I, I would say I'm in a season where I'm training that, but I could see that, you know, because you're still very competitive in the shorter distances and there's really not that many. I mean, of course you've got, you know, Ryan Atkins and Ryan Woods mm -hmm. and, you know, Killian and all these other mega elite athletes that are able to mm -hmm. race a three mile sprint and turn around and race an ultra. But Typically, your really good ultra runners are not, you know, the speedy guys on the short courses. Yep. yep. So I'm somewhere between. But anyway, I truly, 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 after running some of these, seeing some of these shorter courses this year and doing Hubies, I really think from a, from a mom and pop standpoint, if you're not a series going around, 10K is like the clutch distance. Yeah. 
Yep, that's like, about so that we're about in the same ballpark. You're on the exactly. you know, higher end of my my range, but I I would agree with you. I think for for competition, like if I was out there, if I was going to put on a race and do mandatory obstacle completion and maybe even burpees at that point or something like that. But let's say if unless you're Spartan, you're doing mandatory obstacle completion. A lot of these races, I would feel like a 10K is kind of where it's at. I believe that making a short turnaround in there where you can make it a 5K for first timers is super important because that's approachable. Well, and, you know, we we seen Tough Mudder kind of really embrace that that, you know, plan of attack that's that's been their niche right now. You can go to any, um, you know, Tough Mudder event and you have the the full course people going out first and then you've got the 5K going out later. Now, their full course is longer. It's like a 10 mile, which I personally think is a little bit too long, but. I, um, I think I think 10K is aggressive enough to where you can be very competitive. I, I agree. I think that, you know, more than that, you're not going to have the field that's going to be able to race and maintain the speed needed at that distance. Agreed. I think you're eliminating a lot of people. I would agree. All right. And so we've then, got our distance. What well, kind of terrain then, do then, you then, then one more thing, though. One more mm. thing. So... There's another a few great races. So talking about Highlander Assault, which guys, once again, Highlander Assault is another race here in the Chicago area, uh, just north of me. And Lee and I will actually be both there announcing later this year. It was just me. Now Lee is joining me. I could not let you have all the fun. I mean, it's a race with kilts. Like, how am I not going to be there? It's the kilt race. Uh, guys, check <laughs> it out. Code Bro CR, obviously. I'm going to be one of the announcers. Or Lee is going to be one of the announcers. Come and hang out with us. Have a good time. Yeah, we um, are going to It's going to be a lot the awesome same field in the Mudrun. We are totally taking over that festival area. Um, Chad is totally trusting us to... It's kind of scary. Keep the party going. So um, we are. I'm trying to find a battle axe. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, But anyway, check it out, guys. It's going to be really similar to what we did there at the Indian Mud Run. We want to create a really, really cool another event like that in the area. But talking about those races, like in that area. So this year earlier, Mm -hmm. I did Abominable. Mm -hmm. And they had you could do a six mile, you you could do a 10k or a 5k, basically at Abominable. Mm -hmm. Smart. Um, same thing at Indian Mud Run. They had a 5K and a 10K. All right, yep. cool. Um, Highlander is really interesting because it's got a variety of different distances. They've got a so they've got, got an eight a, mile. Yep. They've got a four mile. Mm-hmm. And then they've got this thing called then the okay so the competitive the twelve mile though, the twelve miles competitive, mm-hmm. which I think is okay. I would if if I were setting it up, I'd make I I would just do like an eight mile competitive. You got your long course and short course. Yeah, and I would agree with you. I think the 12 mile is, is a little bit aggressive. A little convoluted. Yeah. But then, what I like, though, is it's an 8-mile course. If you do three laps of that 8-mile course, just like Hubie's three-lap, they have this thing called King Arthur's Quest. Just like the Chiefs Challenge at Indian Mud Run. And it's like, I've been seeing people post about it today, and if you make 24, la- 24 miles with three laps, you know, you get... They're, ha- they're going to have like a crowning ceremony well, and we're no, going to put a, a crown on somebody. Is it three laps of the eight mile or is it two laps of the 12 mile? No. So the 12 mile doesn't exist. So it's a, tw- it's an eight mile course. So the competitive have to do the eight mile course and then the four mile course. 
Because uh, there's some okay. things that don't overlap quite the same. Gotcha. Okay. And that, well, that that's how they're doing it at Highlander. Exactly. Well, but know, the King Arthur's is like three laps of that. Eight I'm, I'm excited about Highlander. I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm really like curious to see how all this is going to be kept straight. Well, and see, that's the thing. A, a smaller race like this, you can do that. Well, um, I mean, that's true. If there's enough volunteers, I mean, the field's not going to be If you've got enough huge. volunteers and you've got, a, you've got, you know, a thousand or so people there, you, right. can, you can manage something like that. Now, if you've got something like Spartan, where you're trying to funnel five, six thousand people there, that gets ugly. And then it's got chaos. So. Exactly. But All I right, like so, the concept mm-hmm. of doing multi-lap on the, on the big course. And then, like, after three or four laps, whoever makes the most, yeah, let's give them a, give them a special prize. Nope, I agree with you. I like it. So our Brociar race is going to have a 5K, a 10K, and a multi-lat. Yep, yep. I think that's All the right, right way. Mandatory obstacle. Like? Com- what do I like? Oh, terrain. I. Mm-hmm. All right, so this is where it gets crazy. So I think Spartan Race really has some of the greatest venues in OCR. And However, that's a mountain course. A lot of these are ridiculously crazy mountain courses, the ones that I like to run, because they're iconic venues. I, I would agree with that, because mm-hmm. I actually just had this conversation with my teammates. You know, we're, we're planning out the season, and West Virginia came up. And I will be the first to admit, the West Virginia venue for Spartan was probably, like, the prettiest venue I've ever It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. gorgeous. However unpopular opinion i hated the race i didn't like it i didn't like the course um you know unless you are specifically training and focusing on these mountain races you're gonna get your butt handed to you yep the the terrain there is intense and that's why i like right i mean it's unlike other races so if If you are racing the Spartan Mountain Series or, you know, all these mountain races and that's your jam, then you will love West Virginia. But if you are a typical Spartan racer that, I mean, hell, I qualified for West Virginia at stadium races. So I think there needs to be a stadium championship, but that's a whole different ballgame. Oh, don't even get me started on that. I would agree. (laughs) But... And especially with, like, the changes in obstacles now. They're not putting twisters. And I saw people talk about not having Twister or Olympus. Oh, yeah, yeah. And sprints. No, Everybody was sad about that. Totally different. But, yeah. you know, I, so, I mean, going back to the point, I, I think there's a place for mountain races. But as far as, you know, your everyday race or your non-championship race and for our race i don't want it on the mountain i would say if there's two venues that i think have been the best i've seen in the past well okay so one of the best venues ever was mud guts and glory because that nothing was super, compares to mud guts and glory. nothing compares to mud guts and glory that would be my dream venue i think hubie has a close second with where he's at and i would also love to give a good honorable mention to the guys at once again um uh, abominable snow race there definitely I, I like the abominable snow race um, I you know they obviously have a um, interesting variable with the snow yep. um, you know I mean that's their thing and that's awesome but their terrain ignoring the snow um, you know I like a nice rolling hill course I want a course that's gonna have a couple climbs in it you're um, gonna freak out when you go to Indian next year you're just gonna but, love it you're going to freak excited. out. But, you know, I still want to be able to run. 
Um, I like climbs where it's like, oh my God, I can't possibly run anymore. Oh, but it's only five more feet. Keep going. You know, like those are perfect to me. So I would love something like that. So, okay. I would say max gain 2000. For a 10K? Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's fair. I'm on board. Okay. 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 Let's talk obstacles. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mandatory or burpees? I'm going mandatory. I'm going option three. Okay. <laughs> I, I uh, don't like burpees. Okay. Um, but I do like penalties. Um, and I'll tell you why. I okay. think that... The the key point, you know, going back to what we were talking about before is a race. Um, And I like keeping a race, a race. And when obstacles are so difficult that it causes bottlenecks, it causes people to have to stop. It wipes out the field. You lose the race. It's a different sport to me. That's no longer obstacle racing. That's obstacle, like, obstacling or whatever the you know the case may be fair enough fair enough Um, i think i i would i would i would fight that with saying that i think that the key there is making the obstacles approachable and understanding your failure rates year to year i I definitely agree with that and i'm not saying that every obstacle should be you know 100 percent completion i think that there definitely needs to be a level of difficulty and in races that do have the penalty option, okay. um, the, the most important thing in my mind, if you're going to do the penalty, is that the penalty should be longer and harder than the obstacle. Oh, definitely. I have been to many races, World's Toughest Mudder included, that the penalty is just as, if not easier, than the obstacle was in the first place. So you get people yep. that are experienced and know, okay, I'm just going to touch this and move on and do the penalty because I can get it done faster. Yep. To me, that's missing the point. Yeah, it's it's the concept of trying to like burpee out a like a three fourth mile bucket carry. Right. So it's like, of I course like, you're going to take the burpees. <laughs> right. I like the option of there being a penalty, not for every obstacle, but for some, um, just to keep things moving along and keep, you know, keep the competition alive. Um, but I want it to hurt. People should come out in worse shape from doing the penalty than yep. doing than the, the obstacle, obstacle in the first place. And getting it right. Yep. Um, and I like, because I'm talking about penalties, I like what we talked about last week with Hubie in that of tracking the number of failures. The five alive thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that idea. I think it, we, it's a great concept. It's great. I think we first saw it, I first saw it personally um, at OCR World Championships in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. What was it, the first year that we were there? There was somebody at every obstacle tracking failures so that when you got your final time, you could see how many obstacles that, you know, you failed. And somebody who yep. only failed one is going to score higher than someone who failed three, regardless of the time. So I like that. I I want, I want that in our race. Okay. That's fair. I think that's, that's fair. Me personally, I'm going to go mandatory obstacle completion though. Cause that's, that's me. I think, 
I just I love mandatory obstacle completion, and especially after Hubies, it's it's finding the balance of it. I think Battle Frog back in the day went a little bit too heavy with that, but I, I think agree. Hubie. And the thing that impressed me though was, ah, so I was talking to Adrian last year when they threw out Sketch, mm-hmm. and I was like. I made the comment to Adrian. I was like, yeah, a bunch of people hanging on bars on nunchucks wiped out in the middle of a race in the heat with, you know, pointy ends on it. This is going to end well. Yeah. And you didn't go to that race. I didn't even go to that race, but he made and he changed it up a little bit from when they first showed it. But he said the concept is here. They either get it or they're going to fall off. Right, mm-hmm. right, really quick. They're going to fail really quick. I'm like, okay, that I can respect. Well, and and to that point, yes, that was true. Um, mm-hmm. That's how it played out. I was there, you know, on day one when they debuted Sketch. It was part of the 3K. Yep. Um, Did you get and it? And I think that we were all concerned over these meat hooks impaling someone. Um, but it actually ended up being a... a, a more um, unpredictable um, injury thing with Sketch in that it was two separate pipe like things and yep. you had to scoot down the pipe and then transition from the one to the other. Yeah, that's well, the hard the, part is the transition. Correct. And to make it more difficult on the end of each of these pipe things was this cannonball. So when people were scooty, scooty, scooting down the little pipe, they would hit the cannonball and like bust their fingers. Oof. Um, okay. Yeah, it actually ended up being a pretty high injury obstacle um, after that first day. Um, and so much so that by the time we got to the third day, so many people had gotten injured. Um, it was actually an obstacle on the team course and they took out the hooks. They said, nope. It's, you know, too many people are getting hurt with this. Just do it as a pipe traverse instead. Okay. That's fair. So, which I got to respect. I got to, I got to say, you know, races that are willing to admit, Hey, this, you know, we got it wrong. We need to adjust and are willing to make adjustments. Being able to adapt is a big, big thing. Mm -hmm. Correct. Um, It's a huge thing. And that was one of the things that I really expected to see issues with um with the the givens yeah and i'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna I lie thought that was gonna be a mess when when they showed that for the indian world championships and, and then it was gonna come at indian mud run first i was like oh boy here we go and it it, it I, don't get me wrong people people failed it there were portions where it was a bloodbath but once you get it a few times you're like oh all right, kind of like the ninja rings now. We're starting mm-hmm. to see more nuclear ninja rings and stuff like that. And I think it's going to be, we need things like that to push the sport forward. Well, but there's also we a need fine some innovation. line. There you is know, a fine it, line where it gets too much. Agree, because, you know, just like you said, you, it, at some point it, it's not a strength thing. It's not yeah. a you know, ability thing, most of the time when it comes to these new obstacles, it's strictly a technique thing. Mm -hmm. So if you have an obstacle that people are not exposed to um, using muscles they've not used before, you know, a lot of times it is just the technique thing. Like you said with Gibbons, you know, it takes a couple times Mm -hmm. and then, oh, easy peasy, I got this. 
Yep. Um, so you or know, Twister. Twister and right, Spartan. Twister was the same way. Um, there's definitely there's definitely this fine line, though. I think between pushing the envelope to try new and innovative things versus okay, now we're going too far, and now we're into American Ninja Warrior mode. That's fair. And uh, to even go back further, uh, tip of the spear. I remember oh, when I God. went to the to the first OCRWC, and we came mm-hmm. down the hill. And there was tip of the spear from Battle Frog. And I was like, yep. what is this thing? And it was just chains. And I was like, I don't know what the hell this yep. is. And I don't know how to it's, do it. Yeah. And now it's now we see that every week in Olympus. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. I was thinking back to I was a big Battle Frog fan. I traveled mm-hmm. all over for Battle Frog. Um, and I remember very vividly my first Battle Frog race in Cincinnati. Um, and having my first exposure to the platinum rig and it being this daunting, like, oh my hell, how do I do this? And I look back on it and I can vividly picture that very first rig in my head. And it was nothing compared to what we dance now. It was like three rings, a rope, a bar, a rope and two rings. And like nothing compared to the crap we see these days. Nothing. And I remember being stuck at that rig for hours, literally hours, not being able to get through it and looking at things now, like, dear God, (laughs) but what the sport has, has evolved into is pretty amazing. It's, it's really impressive. Okay. So, so rigs, Mm -hmm. what is too far? So, you know, I'm really bad when it comes to, like, feet and stuff like that. I think that once you start getting to the long-distance rig stuff, I think there needs to be, at some point, a rest stop. Either, like, a foot ring yeah. or a rope tie-off. Yeah. Something. It can be a rope tie-off because, I mean, that's not an easy thing for, for people who don't know how to do it. But... You know, some races, I think, kind of push it a little bit too much with their distance. Um, but, you know, it's you want it to be challenging. I get it. I definitely yep. think a good race is going to have at least one or two rig type obstacles. Agreed. And I think to talk about this, like rigs, mm-hmm. if you've got less than a thousand people at your mm-hmm. event, six lanes is enough for a rig. Agreed. I would say. Uh, six lanes is plenty. If you've got like two thousand, you should have at least ten lanes. I I agree with you, and I think that that becomes a challenge for these smaller races. Is mm-hmm. that they have these great ideas for these obstacles, but they I don't mean, have enough lanes, and they don't have the lanes exactly. They build one or two. I mean, that race I did down here um, not too long ago. There was, I think, like three different lanes and, you know, we are two. There was two rope climbs even. And I remember we got to the rope climb and the whole race came to a halt because yeah. there's only two rope climbs. And I, I don't want to say anything bad about Indian Mud Run, but just a heads up. If you be if you're listening, there's a point where you do a rope traverse over a creek at Indian mm. Mud Run. There's two ropes. Mm. He needs four. Yep. Like I if he's if he's gonna get up to next year where he's gonna have, um, I I realistically they had a thousand people there this year. I think with as many people have been reaching out to me, 
that we're going to come next year and how competitive it could get, I'd have four. <laughs> yep. And that's that's my two cents there. Yep. All right. So, Brociar, we're going to have plenty of lanes for everybody. Plenty of lanes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, going back to the rigs again real quick, mm-hmm. I think personally where it gets technical and starts to get into that Ninja Warrior area is when you have one-arm lock-offs. Yes. And specifically a hold where you can only get one arm on the thing. Um, that's where mm-hmm. you get things like the cannonballs or you see yep. things like nunchucks, like, like nunchuck, exactly. Mm-hmm. Or short ropes and even yep. a short rope you can get two hands on, but like, like the gibbons, that's a one arm thing. You can't. Yep. And I've seen some people do the gibbons now with two mm-hmm. hands. How? Which is in her. They, um, Megan Beck had a good video of it, but she'd put, she'd lock it in. Uh-huh. And she'd follow through with the other hand and then switch hands. Okay. And um, really, really good video. Nice tactic. Um, that's why they call the, her the OCR trainer. Um, right, right. But it's... But again, it comes down to technique and the ability to practice yep. that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, and even Twister, you, though. But yep, at least at Twister, you've got two points of contact. Yep. And if you don't have access to a ninja gym or something like that to practice this kind of stuff... Come race day, you know, you're you're definitely handicapped. So, okay. Again here, though. Finish mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. Bro, CR race. What would your dream finish line look like? You're coming into the, you're coming into the finish area. What's it looking like? Um, I like a slide or a water pit or something. I want to get cleaned off. What I was your favorite finish line of all time? Oh... Um, was Mud Guts and Glory slide at the finish? Yep. Yeah, I would say that was probably it. My um, favorite finish line of all time was the first OCRWC when you hit a pad and the announcer got your name. Oh, absolutely. That's, and you were, you were coming yep. in and they were, they were all screaming for your name. They do that a lot at road races. I don't know why we don't do that more at OCR races. That was that was so cool and so awesome at the at mm-hmm. the first OCRWC. Like, and here comes Jacob Bosecker over the wall. I was yep. like, holy cow! It, yep. it, it's a great way to make you feel special. Nope, I definitely agree. Um, really, really cool. That kind of stuff. And it, the fire jump's cool. That was cooler. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. It gives you that special touch. Um, if you remember when we were, when we did, um, tough fist mutter in Chicago last year, they were announcing names as, as competitors were coming around the bend. So, um, you know, it's definitely doable. I like it. It's definitely something awesome. All right. So finish lines. Um, okay. So let's talk something controversial then. Carries. Okay. So I, where you at? I like carry. I like heavy stuff. Um, it's a strength for me. However, mm-hmm. I'm gonna play the girl oh, card. Um, I'm I'm gonna play the girl card on this one. I okay. like to lift heavy stuff. Don't get me wrong. However, okay. um, you know when you're talking about equal weights for everybody. Yep. I'm gonna play the law of physics here. When you have a 180 pound man. Versus 115 pound me carrying the same stuff, I'll do it, I'll lift it, but it's going to impact me and it's going to impact my race a hell of a lot more. 
Um, and now, yep. yes, it'll impact the whole female field, but doing a big heavy carry straight into a rig, it's just a different race for women at that point. Okay. So I want it scaled, but I want them there. Okay. I think I would agree with you on that. Scaling, scaling is fair. Um, I don't think we need – there's – and we're coming up on Palmer right? Mm-hmm. Um, the infamous double sandbag carry. Um, mm-hmm. I think your carries need to be – you don't need more. You just need to make them more memorable. <laughs> I would agree. I, I agree with that. I think that, you know, it comes to a point where, you know, to me, a carries – the purpose of a carry on a race – is to even out the field a little bit, slow down the fast runners to allow the stronger, you know, more strength-based athletes to, to have an upper hand to catch up to some of the runners. Yeah. Um, and jack up the heart rate so that it just plays overall. And when you have some of these races that's like, okay, double sandbag carry up the mountain, down the mountain, around the creek, over the wall, and back down the mountain, like, that's a bit much. <laughs> It's a bit overkill. It reminds me of the year that we had the Spartan Race World Championship. The last year they had it in uh, Killington. Mm-hmm. And to give everybody an idea, that's that's a freaking hard race. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I, have, I didn't do the World Championships there, but I've done Killington. And it's, it's Killington rough. without weight is hard enough. And then you throw on one or two sandbags, and it's just... Mm-hmm. Chaos. They had two sandbag carries, two spear throws, two bucket carries. Um, just, oh my gosh, and that double sandbag carry was just something special, if anybody. And a log carry that was pretty, pretty extensive as well. I want a um, carry that's long and heavy enough that I would say half the people can do it without putting it down. You know, that's an interesting way to look at it, but I'll agree with it. That's pretty fair. You know, I think that it should be tough, and some people will need to take a break, but I think 50% of the people should be able to, to push through, through without rest. To push through. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. That's pretty fair. Okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Swag. Where are you at with swag? Oh, uh, dude, you need to have, like I said, you need to have, you need to have a special medal. That's not that different. And I, I like the way that, that Abominable did it this year. Like if you got off, if you got, if you ran the full course mm-hmm. and the short course, you got a, um, you got a special medal or something, or like everybody was trying to get all the medals that weekend. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also like to play it off too. I don't think you need to like get a special one for doing both, but I think if you do three laps, like Hubie does and mm-hmm. you get an arrow, you're like, yeah, you're, you're pretty ballsy. You get out there for three laps. <laughs> Like, yeah. like a Yeti chalice or something. You know what I mean? Like right, right. Some a little extra. That, Back yeah. in Battle Frog days, they would give you um, pins BFX. for every yep. so many laps you did. And it's a I nice like nod. That. I yeah, that was cool. I like, what, what's the coolest medal you've received? Or not not necessarily a podium <laughs> thing, but what's what was the coolest one you've gotten? Oh, my favorite medal of all time. Um that's a great question. I've got a lot I that I love. I know. Um, I'm trying to think of what I'm actually in my way. And it's really weird, but office. the Fort Knox, the year that they did the gold medals, uh, for the, for the, uh, for the, um, 
for the military series out the there. The golden medals. That's really cool. And I know like nobody else is going to have that. Like because the Fort Knox race is gone now. That's true. But like I've got two Fort Knox medals that are gold and that's just cool. I'm going to um, go with as I'm standing here in my office looking at my medals. I'm going to go with the DRX Dirt Runner medals which they were They really do cool with those. They, TK, I got to give TK a shout out. TK He's a wild just, child. May, I mean, I'm looking at a sword I won from his, one of his competitions, mm-hmm. a golden dragon's head I won. Um, <laughs> yeah, just crazy stuff. But You know, his, and like those dragon's head, that's like the mud ninjas. I've got two mud ninja swords yep. here that are just freaking cool. Yeah, but his medal for the DRX games is a die-cast 3D skull. size of oh. a, a baseball skull. Um, With a lightning bolt. Goal. Yeah, just awesome, cool stuff. I, I'm i a fan of, um, you know, unique prizes. I think it's just cool. Like Mud Ninja, you mentioned them with the swords, but even their regular medals are those, you know, Chinese throwing stars. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I like the, unique uh, stuff. Other, other ridiculous swag that I love that I'm ridiculously proud of. Um, one year, um, do you remember Go Native? Yes, I never did it, but I know of it. It was just a training ground. They they had one like training day that I helped out with Bill and Bill came. But they literally carved up a tree and spray painted stuff on these stumps and gave away the stumps. And I've got a stump That's here. Awesome. Um on my wall. And I'm so That's proud of that stuff. Really cool. Stuff like that is it. just so much better in my opinion it's than just, just you cool. know, your typical Metal, And I will say, having helped out with the battlegrounds and working with some of the behind the scenes stuff, I know that medals is like one of the biggest expenses for a race director. So I get it, but I still want it. (laughs) I still, I would rather get a really awesome medal than, you know, something else. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. So the brosier would have sweet swag, but I I feel like podiums. Like, I think as far as podium finishing, like, mm-hmm. certain smaller races, like Hubie, I love, I love the Tomahawks. I love mm-hmm. the Spears. Um, I think Spartan Do you like age group with... podiuming? I do. I do. I, I do think too. that's I, I think that's great, and I think we need to do that more. Um, I think, though, and this is just me, I would love to see a push in my bro CR race, if I was putting on a race. Age group and elite don't matter. Hmm. So if Continue. you are running elite, if you are running elite and you don't hit the podium, let's say top five, you go down into your age groups. Well, then that's, that's why would cents. there be an age group wave? Why would there's it not an age group one... wave? You, oh, you okay. sign up your age group and you run. Gotcha. Um, but regardless the, the of the waves. times. Yep. Yep. Regardless of waves, you are there to throw down. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to get behind that one. It's, it's kind of weird. I'd have to find that. It's not finalized. Don't get me wrong. I don't have, I don't have all the, the ins and outs figured <laughs> out, but I'm saying like, if you're, if you are like Ryan Woods at mm-hmm. the Spartan race world championship and you're running elite wave mm-hmm. and then and you're like, you know, like, Oh, I didn't take top 10. Right. Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he was still the damn fastest in his age group. Let's give him that. <laughs> But then that knocks out the little guys that aren't 
at the elite level yet. They know they're not quite at the elite level yet. So they're going to be competitive at the age group. And I, I think I think there's a line with that, but I think that's where the sport itself needs to develop a pro card. I, well, I would agree because I, I was just about to say, oh, yeah, I was just about to say that whole question would be solved. What if is pro elite wave required um, pre-approval or pre-qualification? So yep. um, I would go with it. You know, and I was thinking about that. So I'm doing um, this Thursday, 4th of July. Fun mm-hmm. fact, the world's largest road race of any distance in the world. Yeah, that's down your way, isn't it? Is down here in Atlanta, Peachtree. Peachtree City, um, yeah. Yep, the Peachtree um, 10K. It's put on every year. This year is actually the 50th anniversary. This is. I really should have came down and did that you this should weekend. Have. Like I said, it is the largest in the world. So much so that you can't just sign up for it. You have to lotto into it. There is a um, lotto, okay. There is a lottery into it. But this year, they raised the registration to 50,000 runners oh my for their God. 50th year. Um, this race is insane. I did it last year for the first time. It was ridiculous. The whole city shuts down. All the streets shut down. Restaurants come out to the to the road and pass out pizza and burritos and all That's kinds insane. of insane for a six-mile race. Yes, it's awesome. But... Not only do you have to lotto into it, but you get seated. And I would love to see OCR move towards a seating that position. kind of a thing where you have to prove your seating when you register. You know, when you I register for the Peachtree, yeah. there are so many, you know, there's a list of these are the qualifying races. And I mean, there's tons of them. And you yeah. submit your Athlinks provable um, time. And they verify it, and then you get seated in your starting wave based on that. And I would really like to see OCR develop something like that. Interesting. And I think it's one of the things, like, for a sport, we just need to do it and walk away. Like, mm-hmm. we're doing it, and do it right, and then walk away. Because that's that's what changes an industry. You just do it and walk away. Don't, don't think about the ramifications. Just get it done, <laughs> do it, and walk away. Well, I think the problem is, and, and what the, the, the unique part about our sport is, is that the sport is all-encompassing. You know, a 10K road yeah. race is a 10K road race. But an OCR, you know, an OCR race is not an OCR race. It could be it's two miles universal. long. It could be, right. you know, 100 miles long. Right. And it's not, there's not a governing body over it. I know there's been many attempts to create such a thing, um, but there's not. And without that and without standardization, it's going to make all this stuff we're talking about just that much more difficult. I would agree. Leah, so. we are running late on on time today we are we are over it. a normal time gap here um, we were chit chatty i um, hope everyone got a good workout in today i'm not sure if you're listening to us while you're commuting or working out but um thank you for listening to us thank you for tuning in um before we go though um want to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors here bro, at bro cr um human octane mm-hmm. um leon is now uh squatted i'm a believer human... you're a believer <laughs> So I've been logging human octane all year. Um, So if anybody knows me, I used to be a, when second skin was still around, I was a big, we were uh, athletes and ambassadors for them. 
And then Human Octane came in, and I was so excited to work with them. I had met them while I was an ambassador that first year for Second Skin and Brett. Mm-hmm. But the company there, great people, good stuff. And Brett was like, well, I'm just going to make stuff that's just going to work, and you're not going to yep. need to buy any more. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see. And he was like test driving some some pants at the uh, at Tahoe that year. I've had two pairs of pants this year from Human Octane. That's all I wear. That's They don't have a single rip in them. From multiple so I will ultras. admit, yeah, I will They're admit impressive. I've been very hesitant on the human octane train. It's pricey. Um, it is pricey. I loved my second skin. I still wear my second skin. Anyone who sees me on course under my kilt is second skin shorts every time. And I've been seeing everybody posting about human octane, and I was like, meh, whatever. And I said, let's give it's it a legit. year, see if this stuff really lasts. And they you've have. been talking about it. Everybody's been talking about it. And people I'm seeing now racing in their second and third year in the same clothes. It works, guys. Um, yeah. It's it's phenomenally, and I would say phenomenally the best engineered OCR and trail gear out there. Um, and from a lady's perspective, I will tell you, things fit great. Um, the girls are covered and supported on a sports bra standpoint, and the shorts are high-waisted, covering on up the muffin top. Um, <laughs> yeah, so everything, once you're in, is staying put. They've got new stuff this year with um, with tops for men and women. Um, great stuff. Um, flattering. Uh, that's a great way to put it, too. It's, it's not... Um, it's not just a pair of booty shorts. They, they look good. They're functional. And, and the pocket in the back, it will save you quite a bit on those long runs. <laughs> yep. I'm a fan. Um, it's going to be my new go-to. You'll see me in the black and yellow, of course. Um, and I love it. I, I can't say enough good things about it so far. So, guys, check them out. Human Octane. Great compression gear. Great equipment. And, and the regular shirts are also really cool, too. Um, anyway, I guess that's it for this week. That is it. Um, Thank you, guys, Any additional shout-outs, Leah? Um, I don't think so. Just, I don't you know. think I've got any either. I'm trying to ramp up right now the following week for Toughest Mudder Twin Cities. Awesome. Yeah, I will be doing Peachtree this weekend, and then I am off for, for several weeks. Um, actually, a month, I guess. I won't be racing again until West Virginia Spartan. So. Gosh, that's that's your next one. Uh-huh. Hopefully, I'm yeah, going to get some. After that's Peachtree. insane. That's yep. insane. I've busy got, I've busy got... month. I'm going on vacation. And... Uh, okay. I might try and pull Bill in for an episode from Utah and okay. finally get Bill here in the cast. Uh, but Sounds anyway, good. until next week, I'm Jacob Bosecker. I'm Leah Hensley. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. We'll see you guys out on the course. Peace. This has been the Bro CR Supercast, powered by Bro CR Media. We always love reviews. Oh, and shout outs too. Wanna be on the review? Drop us a line. We know there are other obstacle course racing podcasts out there, but you choose to laugh with us for a while. So thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. And thank you. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. And bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.